This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay. Dunedin, and I am joined from Fokatani by Muera Karatai. Kia ora, Muera. Hi, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. I know you'd find this hard to believe, but it's raining in Dunedin. <laughs> Shocker! Who would ever have thought? I it? have. I have checked. We have had one day of rain since the second week of January. It rained on the tenth of February, oh, right. and this is the first time it's rained since then. And it's not even doing well, a very good job on it. Well, that's been a really good run. And you actually probably need the rain. We, we, we actually needed it too. I went for a drive the other day. Everything was very brown. And who are we introducing today? Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce Rich Wyatt. I've known Rich for more years than I can count, so that's quite a few because I'm quite good at counting. Um, Rich is many things. He's a... a, a Passion. He has a passion for tourism, uh, involved in the tourism industry for Topol, in Topol for a really long time. Um, he's a fly guy, so he can talk about that. Uh, and also another great thing that I'm really looking forward to hearing about is his story of travelling from Cape Reinga to Bluff with Joanna Sharp. Welcome, Rich, and thanks heaps for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, guys, for being invited. Thank you. Welcome, Rich. Where are you, Rich? I am in Waipahihi in Taupo, the greater lake. I don't know where that is. I'm going to look it up as soon as we finish talking, maybe while we're talking. How was your bubble life? Mm, it was soul-destroying for the most part because I had no contact with my friends and family. I spent the whole time with my lovely partner, Sandra, a wonderful dog. So that was it. We ate too much, didn't exercise near enough, but we survived it. I'm aware it said that you're involved in tourism, but she also said that you're a fly guy. What does a fly guy mean? I tie flies for our wonderful fly fishing experience here in Lake Topol and around the world. Is it? I, I just imagine that that's unbelievably fiddly. Is it really fiddly? Yes, <laughs> in a word, <laughs> yes. But it, it's better than standing on the corners throwing rocks and rocks. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So what's the what what drives that passion? What's so, what's so exciting about tying tiny knots? The appreciation that other people give you and compliment you on your handicraft and, and how you um, manage to make something so small, make it so effective and, and continue on a long-last art. Well, it's not long-last because it still exists, but just carrying on tradition mainly. And uh, I know nothing about it. Is other particular styles and things that you specialise in? I would encourage you to one day go and grab a book on entomology. And you'll get the whole picture of the life of an insect and how it's so important to a, one of our lake topal trout and other other children around the world. I could probably Without reach. Those. I could probably reach a book on entomology. I am married to a zoologist. 
you should go and ask the experts. Oh. We've got a collection of moths growing in, in our sitting room. Somebody got themselves very interested in what species of moths we have, because we seem to have a lot of moths at the moment. I can work with those. <laughs> and so fly fishing means you, you, you like trying to dangle the, 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 the what do you call the, fl- the, the hook, the, the, the tie? What do you call it? The fly tie. What's the name of the thing? The fly. Oh, it could be. A- the fly. You, could you're, be. Trying, you're trying to dangle that above the surface to pretend it's an insect. Is that right? Above the surface, on the surface, below the surface. Depends on what sort of nymph or dry fly or streamer that we're trying to track the fish with. We're taking in the whole environment and we're looking around us and seeing what's flying around us and we're listening and watching and, and then trying to um, pretend that we've got something even better for the fish. <laughs> so do you look at an insect and you think, I could make that with a piece of tin foil and uh, something or other? Is, is it a creative thing like that? Probably a little bit more scientific, but I like where you're coming from. But you are, you are trying to imitate what, the, what they look like, but make them look tasty. Yeah, Make them look tasty. There's a there's an old term which I'm not a particular believer in, but matching the hatch. I'm not a big fan of that term, but it is it's it's a traditional conservative term. What's wrong with it? I think we can do better. <laughs> Make a fly, a little bit more bling on the fly, and hey, it catches the fisherman number one, and then he can go and use it to catch a fish. So what and do you do? And sometimes when there's just so many of one particular pattern around. If you introduce something a bit different, that's what the trout are going to go for. Absolutely. Dessert. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do to it to make it look more tasty? A bit of colour, a bit of sparkle, a bit of bling. What, like a, a mini skirt and some, some jewellery. been bling before. <laughs> so it's, this is, I think you said this is a, this is a full-time hobby. This is, this is, what, this is a passion. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, and you, you learn every day. Every day you're at the vice, trying to fly, you're learning. I presume you don't just make these things, that you you get out into the, the lake and rivers and test and use them. Absolutely, you need to test them and make sure they're going to be durable and practical. Otherwise, you don't want the, the fishermen coming back and saying it didn't work. So you sell these things? Well, absolutely, absolutely. You weren't, able to, you weren't able to fish... During COVID four, during lockdown four, no, absolutely not. No. Was it three? You're allowed out again. Into certain areas, into certain areas, there was uh, in our local area. There were some areas that were actually closed uh, out of respect for the environment by the iwi and fully supported by by most of us. So that was that was good, and it gave the fish a little holiday and a chance to recuperate. And rivers and the riverbanks and that were all tidy. So we're all lining up to get back out at level two then, when you're allowed. We're pretty, we're pretty excited to. Yes, well, the environment is our friend, so we need to look after it and, and nurture it when we get the opportunity to. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Leonard Cohen, "In My Secret Life." Why this one? Um, I think it proves that Leonard's a great proponent of, of making a spoken word sound melodic, and it always reaches out to me. I'm pretty sure it reaches out to Mara or two. My secret life In my secret life In my secret life In my secret life 
saw you this morning You were moving so fast Can't seem to loosen my grip Down the path And I miss you so much There's no one insane And we're still making love In my secret life In my secret life I smile when I'm angry Secret life 
So you're involved in tourism in Taupo. How is it going? I was there. When was I there, Mawira? It was late, or the middle of January. It seemed pretty busy then. Did it stay busy? It has. It, it did right up until uh, the last couple of weeks um, when we had a walk on our three-day walking in. And this past week has been another savage blow to our economy and our visitor patronage with uh, the cancellation of events last weekend and this weekend. So the, I, I don't know what the percentage of international tourists are and are there. I imagine you've got quite a, a large number of international tourists going through normally. In, uh, from, uh, leading up to early 2020, there few coming through now. We talked about the great New Zealand summer that everybody was going to get out and enjoy being in our own country and, and enjoying it. And I think people did. Did you see that? Oh, absolutely. Domestic tourism was uh, very, very well uh, noticed, and all the businesses were patronised. But it's it's only for a very, very short period, considering the lost lost the tail end of last summer. It's going to take a long time to recover. So, is the town just waiting for international tourists to come back, or is it possible to do a bit of a, a, a rethink? I don't think we have to adapt and diversify and not being so reliant on national tourism in the future. I really, really can't see it coming back to the same levels as it was in the past. The Australian bubble would be an awful, would be a, a great effort to New Zealand and places like Taupo in general. In the past, 80% of the international tourists or visitors to Taupo came from Australia. And is that is that year-round or is it particularly seasonal? Uh, pretty much year-round. Um, we have... We have some wonderful ski fields close by to Topol. There's a lot of development going on in the mountain, which is uh, hopefully we might be able to get some business there uh, this coming winter season, but more well, predominantly domestic tourism. So what sort of things could the town diversify into? Is it still within tourism? Is it, is it about rethinking tourism to be some sort of slow tourism, people staying longer? Yeah, staying longer. Uh, it's an age-old problem with accommodation being expensive. Attempts to change the way that people book their accommodation uh, with your your private accommodations like BNB etc. Uh, had their had their golden days, but there's a bit of a kickback against them at the moment. So yeah, just the family family uh, travel needs to be uh, have a bigger focus on on people do people people do want to travel. The moment an Auckland lockdown happens, things dry up again. You can see that the majority of domestic travel comes out of the cities like Auckland. When I was up your way, I walked up the mountain, the name of which completely escapes me. Mount say Tara. That's the one, thank you. I walked from the centre of town. It may have been a mistake, especially as it was the day before I did the epic, epic swim. I was pretty exhausted by the end of the day because <laughs> it was really, really hot and it was a long walk. Were you here last weekend? No, no, it was um, middle of January. Okay. And I was, I was staying in the middle of town, and I, I, I looked at the map, and I could see that the, the mountain was you know, close to the edge of town, and then there was the mountain walk, and then back again. But what I hadn't quite worked out is the extent to which the town had expanded in that direction and how far away it was to walk. And 
forgotten how far I walked. I think it was 24 kilometers or something. At least. Yes. That's an epic rookie mistake. Yes. But the um, I really enjoyed the walk around the, the, the lake shore. That's been developed really nicely. Yeah. Gorgeous, yeah. It's a shared cycleway and walkway. Yeah. Is that, is that, has it been there long? Is it, I mean, it, it, it seems like it's such an obvious and, and really nice thing to do. Is, is it supported by everyone? Yes, the, the walkway's been there basically forever. It's called the Lion's Walk, and it was a lot of it was cobbled stone, and they've just started to widen the path and concrete it for a much smoother, more uh, cycle-friendly and elderly-friendly, family-friendly walk now. Yeah. And it's pretty flat too, so that's good. The mountain that made, that made up for the mountain because the mountain's not. It's pretty vertical. Yes, and interesting. The I, I don't know if you've been up there much, but the 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 path, the the track on the way up there is really deeply incised. It's it's it it's is. is that because of the it's pumice the, soil or something? Yeah, very very pumicey and and very light, high ash content. So and because of the grade on the mountain, the, the, when it does rain, it does cause some rutting. Right. Yeah, it was it was amazing these almost tunnels to walk through. Yeah, it was not not developed as a tourist destination, so it's a, just a little local hidden gem. It certainly it is. stands out. Yes. <laughs> Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanu, kia koutou ho ho. I hope you're all happy stay, superstars. You're beloved and really hope, wherever you are. Journey that went together, very rewarding, sustaining, and for you, who you are. Now, I know that for all of us, as we are moving again, different alert levels, this can feel very unsettling. And I know for all of us, this will be affecting us in different ways. As much as we can at this time, if we can be kind to ourselves and others, show compassion for ourselves and others, do whatever we can to ground and calm ourselves and be there for one another the better and I'm sure all of you are so much every day as a species of course innately we love nurturing we love love we love connection physiologically all these things enable us to thrive and of course having shifts and how we can access that connection does make it harder for us and I know for many of us, our loved ones are far away. I've recently lost two very dear friends unexpectedly this year. And while I will always hold them in my heart and I do feel that they're still with me, of course that loss is very hard. And so I've needed to really have some time within the loving embrace of the Mansion to process all these things and I think if we can give ourselves that processing time, it's so helpful. And I now feel a lot better and I feel like I can merge whilst following all the COVID-19 guidelines back into consensus reality. And while grateful for that time in the chrysalis, I'm now ready to venture forth again. So this is really good. And it got me thinking about how, as a species, we're so good at starting again and really this whole experience of course has been an opportunity to do that in so many different ways and for some of us we might not have had the opportunity to start again so dramatically in our lives before but 
I think for all of us, we've found new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling, showing up for ourselves, each other in our, our lives. And there's been so much positive about that new start, that way of starting again. And of course, we start at each moment, each breath, each heartbeat, spark of consciousness firing itself across our beautiful, beautiful mind and with our own sense of inner knowing that I think for all of us deepens and deepens over time. We are always capable of starting again. So I really hope that for you, wherever you are and whatever is happening around you, you can feel that innate power that you have, strength that you have, that you're always able to reframe and renew your commitment to yourself, to the life. And I really hope that at this time, which is a time of change and is unsettling, we can do our best to see it again as the opportunity for a new start, new ways of doing beings and feeling. And thank you for all your contributors' shared experience. And thank you for talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Rich Wyatt. Rich, when you're um, developing flies, when you're developing a new tourism product, when you're embarking on a massive adventure where you support someone who's cycling from one end of the country to the other, that requires a, forgive the pun, a rich imagination, (laughs) all of those things. uh, Have you considered yourself to be an imaginative person or is this something that you have always had a gift for or is it something that's developed over time i didn't even know i had it mara (laughs) oh you do (laughs) you definitely do i just do stuff what where does your inspiration come from for doing things i'm not wanting to miss out on anything i'd like to i'd like to rise early and not miss a moment of the day that's a beautiful thing sunrise sunset and speaking to at least one of my friends every day Oh, that's really lovely. When you've been speaking to your friends through lockdown and COVID, what's the general sense of people being? How how have people coped overall, do you think? Uh, some better than others. The strong, strong ones are the ones that it actually affected the most, from, from my experience, whereas the, the ones who are less certain of themselves uh, became stronger. Hmm. They learned... They learned um, their different qualities they actually have for themselves. The yeah, things you just said to me were like, I didn't even know. So there you go. I'm going to go away and think about it. <laughs> I, I believe you to be a, a very imaginative person. Uh, I, I know what it's like to tie flies. I know what it's like to, to attach a little fly to a line and and, um, and cast it out into the water and, and to have to think like a fish and to imagine where those fish are. And I see people like you who do that so effortlessly and so naturally, being so creative and not knowing it, it's actually kind of kind of lovely, really. I'm not a very good salesman. <laughs> what inspired you to go on your trip with Joanna? I've known Joanna for as long as you've known me. It seems like forever goes back to, to um, our old hospitality days and we met Joanne and her partner, Jude, each year for the Great Cycle Challenge here in Topol. As, as each year went past, Joanna took on a bigger and bigger uh, task, you know, one lap, two lap. And then in 2019, she decided to do four laps. 
around the lake in the period allowed and just put my hand up straight away. So I need to do this with you because I don't want you to go out there without me, basically. I was a bit selfish. I needed to be with her. So we, we did that and she was highly successful and uh, premier woman and fared very well against the gentleman in the four-lap event. And she went away and she decided she was going to do this and do that and something bigger and better each time. So when lockdown came along, we, we didn't see that coming. And we had planned to do the long white ride, which is the ride from Cape Rianga to Bluff, which had been done by a couple of uh, gentlemen. And, and Joanne decided she'd be the first woman to do it. So we planned it for Easter 2020. And it got stolen by COVID. So we all the planning, training and everything just went down the gurgler. Uh, but not quite, because Joanne wasn't going to let it beat her. So we rescheduled for February this year. We began on the 1st of February. And in the meantime, um, gee, she had done a lot of virtual racing. She'd done a virtual race across America, where she sat in her studio and led her bike so many days. Uh, before the long white ride, she set a 12-hour and 24-hour time trial record in a virtual uh, situation. She'd done some, some miles, but not road miles. We just hopped on the bike on at sunrise on the 1st of February, just started heading south. It's a team, small team with uh, Benny from Benny's Bike Shop in Auckland, uh, Mark from the Coromandel, Jude and uh, Joanna on the bike. Uh, Jude was sitting with me in the car. And we picked up another young lady by the name of Bromman at Bombay. We joined our team and we headed off. I just rode and rode and rode and rode. So that was it. A big adventure, which each day presented new challenges with, with roots, weather condition, and small bums. <laughs> Tiredness, <laughs> tiredness and all that sort of stuff and felt like I was on the bike with Joanna every moment. It was pretty cool. The whole thing is extraordinary. There's no doubt about that. No other way to describe it really. It was an extraordinary event and something you, you could never top that really. Not, or maybe if you went and rode across America or Australia, but like it, in New Zealand, you couldn't top it. What was, if you had to pick one thing that you will carry to the grave as like the best thing that you're so glad you participated in, what, what was that one thing that you got from it? Um, the deepening of my friendship with Joanna and Jude in particular, and meeting some other new people, sitting behind Joanna in a vehicle all night, about two metres from her tyre, in the middle of nowhere, just talking to her on the radio and just having conversations. So she was talking while she was riding? I would tell her, car coming or truck back or car coming through or head back to just vertical, left a bit, babe, come back over onto the road now, got the road, just in a soothing, supportive way. And it was nice. And she, she remembers that and that's our little thing. And, and did, you, did I hear you say six days? Six and a half days. Oh, and that's long days. That, that, that's not like six hours, just office hours. No, no, no. That's uh, Joanna having a little break and a wee break, maybe a poo break, and maybe sleep here and there, some meals, medication, hydration, and trucking on. Clicking on wow. about 25Ks an hour for over 2,100Ks. And did she stay coherent the whole way, or did she start to lose the plot towards the end? Not. Now, she'll tell you this if you ever get a chance to talk <laughs> to her. The last couple of days were quite quite um, demanding and stressful for everybody a few swear words here and there <laughs> but we got through it we're still friends yeah i was going to say it'd be really easy to end that not being friends um there was a few catchy moments along the way but um sanity prevailed and 
uh, yeah, we're still getting over the lack of sleep. Actually, it's a hard it's a hard thing to uh, get the sleep patterns back. And I think we're all experiencing that. Did you then have to drive back? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we stayed in Bluff for about one hour, <laughs> and we drove back to we drove back to Invercargill at the breakneck speed of eighty kilometres an hour, feeling like we were driving. <laughs> and we spent a night in a holiday park and had uh, pizzas and beers, and got up at four o'clock next morning and drove all the way back to Picton to catch the evening ferry. I got home about 2 a.m. on Tuesday morning, Eastern Bluff about 4 p.m. on Sunday, uh, 7, 6, and I was back home in 2 a.m. a couple of days later. How did the end feel? It was one of those WTF moments. We just couldn't believe that we'd done it. Uh, it was a bit of an empty feeling, really. Just, yeah, just I can imagine that. Yeah, lost a week of your life and you don't know where it went. <laughs> Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have The Knox Trouble. Why this one? Everybody's got to have a bit of fluffy me feel good. <laughs> the trouble with you. The trouble with you. You don't do what your heart wants to. You never listen to it. No, no. You never listen to it, no, no That's the trouble That's the trouble with you The trouble with you That's the trouble with you The trouble with you That's the trouble with you Friends with the bad advice Smile through the day 
Rich, we've seen lots of change in society across the country, across the world in the last year. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Overall, people being nicer to each other, more appreciative of each other. I think before this thing came along, everybody's wrapped up in their own little universe and were a little bit selfish. But now they're more, more open and caring and better conversational. Why do you think we let that happen? What, why, do, what, why do you think as a, as a people we, we did that, just getting wrapped up in our own thing? Or is, is, that, is that just inevitable? I mean, and it's similar, I don't know if you experienced it, but towards the end of lockdown, knowing that the first lockdown was ending, I distinctly remember a day where we were walking around our neighbourhood thinking, you know, we've just walked around our neighbourhood down the middle of the road. We won't be able to do this tomorrow. And we did, in fact, all rush back to being busy. I think we're conditioned to, to be like that. But we found out about more about ourselves during the lockdown period. We walked the dog every day. We rode our bike every day. Or we walked around the gardens every day. We're lucky enough to have a lovely pretend couple of blocks from my house and become our second home. Day, daybreak and sunset and explore every little path and maybe duck down to the lake. Almost going back to work, uh, I think. We moan about it all the time, but we actually love it. <laughs> and and my, my, my job in hospitality and tourism is I get to sit to people every day. I, I particularly miss that. And I just went back to doing that because that's what I do. I'm not breaking rocks or holding an sign or anything like that, which could have quite easily done that if I had to. I was lucky I could go back and just do what I did. And it was, I don't think everybody had that, that same opportunity because they lost their business or they lost their jobs. or they mm-hmm. had, Learn new skills. Yeah, I was one of the luckier ones, I guess. When you went back to talking with people, did you find that the conversations had changed? What what people wanted to talk about? Absolutely, they were more open, particularly about their personal lives and how they coped the isolation and lockdown. And I think they're more appreciative of their friends and their family than they possibly were before that. It was a good lesson for for society. Those lessons for society. Do you think we can make them stick? Do you think we can actually embed those sorts of things? I'm hoping so. I feel I feel that if we keep having these rolling lockdowns that might slip back into the old attitude of uh, being privileged and being everybody to be delivered to them, I'm really hoping they being nice to each other. Do you think that the be kind message was successful because, well... It's it's hard to fault being nice to each other, isn't it? So so being told to be nice to each other is a pretty good place to start. Well, it's a pretty simple mantra, really. I probably didn't hear hear that that uh, message too early on. It must may have been relayed to me. I didn't hear it myself, but I noticed that people are already doing that. So it's, it's nice. It is really nice that people can begin to be more open and sharing. Yeah, and and one of the ways of interpreting it is that is it's not just be nice to each other it's also about being nice to yourself and and looking after yourself that sort of notion of the the self-care the the well-being starts starts at home absolutely i think people are a bit more healthy after this lockdown that, that didn't necessarily get um bigger and wider and lazier they actually made an effort to get out and have a walk we were seeing people walking around the neighborhood we didn't even know lived in the neighborhood also <laughs> go to work come home um close the door, turn the light on, that was it. That's... Did you find out stuff about your neighbourhood that you didn't know before? Did you find any hidden gems that you thought, I hadn't noticed that was there? Oh, absolutely. 
Taupo is a lovely, lovely place for for walks. You just have to not walk past a little entrance in a garden or a little path that goes off to the left or right. Pop along the path and see where it takes you. And you go, oh, isn't this nice? Yes. <laughs> and have you carried on going for walks? Well, absolutely. I've I've um, I walk about four and a half k's into to work in the mornings now. That's quite nice. Cool. Along the lakefront, which along walk along that bike path back into town about four and a half k's to i'm working at an outdoor store now and i've enjoying that a bit of retail therapy on the other side of the counter <laughs> it still works as re- retail therapy if you're the one doing the selling it does yeah it's, it's quite enjoyable not a really good salesman though. <laughs> i have some questions to end the show with what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years i got recognized for for doing what I do in tourism here in Taupo, a couple of unexpected but quite lovely. And in my time at the Hilton last year, I was nominated for an international hospitality award. Very pleasing as well. It's not why you do it, but gee, maybe I'm doing things right. Oh. When, you, when your peers recognise doing something good, that's, that's the most. What's the secret? Just being normal, I think. Just, I can break everyone down to my level. Hey, Mara, I can do that. <laughs> So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? Listening. And you apply that everywhere? Everywhere, yeah. Someone's got something they want to tell me. I'm really, really happy to listen to it and then make something of it. Yeah. That's how conversations start, and you don't know how many friends you'll make that day just by listening. I, have to, I don't usually add things to people's superpower. In fact, this might be the, actually the first time in 200 and something episodes I have. But to, added to your listening is the fact that you actually give a damn. You actually do. It's so lovely. Thanks, Mara. I, I do. I do. I, I, I care about the human condition and try and, try and help people and mentor. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No way, absolutely. But but I do like to pay it forward. That that maybe that's if you call that activism, I'll say I am. Can I ask Moira for an adjudication on that one? Oh no, he's definitely an activist too. (laughs) Um, What I know of Rich is that he will stand up for people um, and stand up for what's right, and he's not one of those thump his fist on the table kind of guys. He's very very kind. And very, very thoughtful, and um, and I've uh, I've seen uh, Rich's activism, um, especially if you just look at the work that you do, Rich, in promoting tourism in your community, and the the huge flow on effects from the effort that you've put into that just by being the guy you are. So, so I call you an activist as well, an activist of kindness. That's a cool thing to wear. Wear that crown. Well, I'm going to appreciate my life. You make me cry, my <laughs> So that can be your superhero name, Activist of Kindness Man. It's a mouthful. Oh, you get it a is, cape it, with that. It is a bit of a mouthful. Okay. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You said earlier that it's just not miss, wanting to miss out, but is it is it more than that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think all my life I've been afraid of missing out on them. Um, so you want to be there. Then I've got no excuse. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Welcoming people back to New Zealand and, and Lake Taupo in general, and maybe having some sort of open border where we can have our friends back 
seeing our beautiful country. Yeah. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? In what regard? It's a completely free hit. It's the last question, and you can say whatever you like. Okay. If it's, if it's, if it's a general thing, I'd like to everyone to be, if you're not already being kind, just try it. It does feel good, you know, and it doesn't cost a thing. Bring it on, be yourself, and just try that kindness. It's very reward. reward. Thank you for that. Moira. Uh, Rich, I know this is not your usual kind of thing. You're the guy who stays in the background and lifts everybody else up. And um, and so I really appreciate that you've come and shared this part of yourself with us today. And thank you for all the things that you do in the community that go uncelebrated, sometimes unnoticed, and, uh, and no trumpets and fanfare for you. But you just keep on doing them and, and you're a great person and your community is really lucky to have you. Thanks very, very much for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me here, guys. That's a little bit over the top, Mara, but thank you very much. Now, we're going out at the moment to songs about summer because we're still pretending that it's summer. And let's go out to one that's nearly about fishing. Let's go out to B-52's Rock Lobster. <laughs>
been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Man in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani and in Taupo, Rich Wyatt. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.